Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us across the uh, Super Talk Radio Network this afternoon or online, wherever you're tuned in. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm Bob Getty. I'm at the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg this afternoon, broadcasting solo. Kelly Sander will be joining me later in the program as will Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Opening segment of the show is sponsored again today by Dickey's Barbecue Pit. Great supporters of the university, great supporters of the Eagle Hour, and a great place to take your family for dinner or lunch. Seven days a week, they're open. You can uh, dine in. You can go through the drive-thru. You can have it uh, delivered to your house. However you choose, just be sure you choose Dickey's Barbecue Pit. All right, Golden Eagles lose last night for the second time this season to South Alabama, a score of 8-2. to Louisiana Tech with a big conference win over Ole Miss last night. And Louisiana Monroe last night knocked off number 14, Oklahoma State. Of course, Louisiana Monroe is now led by uh, a name very, very familiar to Southern Miss fans. Coach Mike Federico is now the head coach and has been since uh, the end of 2017 at Louisiana Monroe. And, of course, uh, a longtime fixture and a, a big part of the success that Southern Miss baseball has had through the year. We're always happy to talk to him and glad to have him back on the Eagle Hour today. And Coach, I, I mentioned to you before we came on the air, what a great time for you to come on the show. You're a, your guys knock off uh, the 14th-ranked team in the country last night, Oklahoma State, 13-6. to You beat number four Ole Miss Sunday afternoon, 8-3. to Pretty good streak going uh, for Louisiana Monroe. Uh, we're, we're excited. Uh, appreciate you having me on, and uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, my pleasure. Well, Coach, uh, talk a little bit about the game last night and uh, and the game Sunday. And, and you know, you really had Ole Miss on the ropes Saturday as well. You took a lead into the ninth inning, uh, so you came very close to going up there and winning the series. It, it sounds as if you really have your program on the right track. Well, you know, I feel like it. it's our fourth year. Last year we were off to a really good start and, um, you know, kind of got taken away from us just like everybody else. But, uh um, you know, we've worked really hard on recruiting and, um, you know, facilities, and we keep kind of getting a little bit better, you know, small increments. We've, we've gotten better, um, you know, but there was some nice wins this past week that will hopefully be monumental for the future of our program as well to just the belief system to know that you can, you know, play with whoever. But, uh, you know, the focal point, too, now that we're going into conferences, we've got to uh, – we've got to – you know, make some strides in the league and, um, you know, put ourselves in a position to get into the conference tournament year in and year out um, and, and be a good seed. And then, of course, eventually, uh, you know, play for a conference championship, something that, you know, I think Coach Barry's done over there and something that, you know, the, the mold this we've been trying to do here at, at Louisiana Monroe. Uh, we, had a, we, we finished off the week last week very well. Uh, the frustrating part was last Tuesday. We had, you know, Conference USA rival for you guys in, in uh, Louisiana Tech, and we we had a, a nice lead. We're playing really well. Had our relievers in the game, and we gave up a seven spot in the seventh. 
and ended up losing the game, which was, was you know, disappointing. Um, you know, Tech, I know, is a rival a little bit with you guys, but uh, being 30 minutes down the road for us, that was disappointing. But uh, then we went into Ole Miss and just faced a really good Friday night guy. And, I mean, he was not a matchup for, for us, but uh, kind of took it on the chin that night. But we were, really responded well on Saturday, had a position to win. It was the first time I really felt like our dugout and our, our program was – our guys were – there was a belief system that we could play and we could do these things. And things were happening in the right moment. Um, Reed Goldman, our closer, was in the game, who's a, somewhat of a local kid for, from Hattiesburg. He, he's from about 20 minutes down the road and um, played at Pearl River Community College as well. And we had him in the game, gets the leadoff batter in the ninth. And then um, we hit their number three hitter, Tim Elko, which wasn't ideal. We didn't want to do that. And then Kevin Graham comes up and hits a two-run walk-off home run. We got beer showered and everything at Ole Miss, which was disappointing. And But I was really proud of our guys the way we responded on Sunday. Uh, we could have took it on the chin again, and we showed up and executed everything we possibly could. And, and you know, when you look back at it, we played very well against Ole Miss for two straight days and had a chance right. to, you know, win the series, had a chance to go three and one last week, if you really want to be honest. And then, uh, you know, last night we had the opportunity to play Oklahoma State at Globe Life Field. It wasn't something originally, Bob, that we had on our schedule. And then with we had nine cancellations because of different leagues playing the four-game sets. And uh, Josh Holiday, the coach there who I've known for a long time, um, we, we spoke, and he wanted us to come up there and play. And I said, I said, Josh, I'm not driving eight hours for a midweek game. And he said, what about meeting in Dallas? And I said, yeah, that's great, about halfway for both of us. And uh, he calls me back and says, hey, you want to play at Globe Life? And I'm like, the big league park? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, it was a great experience for our guys. Um, you know, played a lot of minor league fields and, and all that, but it was, it was something special about playing in the big league park. I mean, that's where the World Series was this past year and some neat things like that. And to play a historic program like Oklahoma State like we did, and uh, we played a lot different. You know, against Ole Miss, we played a lot of small ball and executed a lot of situational things. And then yesterday, we, I think we had seven extra base hits. So that was, that was exciting to see our guys be able to do that style of baseball as well. Right. Coach, I'll take you back real quickly. Beer shower, are you saying that beer was – literally thrown on your baseball team not on our team but the, you know if you know anything about Ole Miss the student sections behind their their bullpen which used to be when you know, the years when I was at, at Southern Miss and, and, and at Memphis um, the right field bullpen used to be the visiting team now it's the home team because Ole Miss has moved to the other side but we were in the third base dugout and you could see it out there as soon as it as soon as they hit a home run they're they're Whatever those guys are drinking and gals are drinking in the outfield, they throw it up in the air. It's a pretty neat thing to see. Um, you know, I think some people in the roost may need to start doing that. I don't know if the, the old, older uh, people want to waste their beer. I think uh, uh, you know yeah. that's not going to happen in the roost over there. But it's, it's a neat thing to see. You just don't want to. You don't want it to be. Uh, right. You know, for right. when your team, when it happens to your team. I see what you're saying, Coach. I'm shocked to hear they drink beer out in the roost. I, I wasn't aware of that. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, Coach. About three minutes left. I, I'd just like to know what your experience has been like. What What do you have to do differently as a head coach uh, than as an assistant coach, recruiting coordinator? All All the things that you did at Southern Miss, but. How does your role and your job become different when you take over a head coaching job? 
I think just being in charge, it's all about managing people. You know, you've got your assistant coaches underneath you and you're trying to get them to, um, you know, do the things in the program, the, 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 the pillars of success, so to speak. Um, you, you've got to get them to buy into those things and you've got to manage those people. Um, you know, I think about three things every day and in no particular order each day. It, it changes. Some days I really don't care about certain things, but there's three things that I think about. The, the first one being recruiting. Um, you know, you've got to keep, continue to keep getting good players and better players and, and so on and so, so forth. Um, you got to think about your current team and, uh, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of what they do and, and, and finding the deficiencies and, and correcting them. And then you got to think about fundraising. Places like this, uh, it, it's all about money. And, you know, we're in mid-major program and, you know, we don't have the the same things that some other people do, and, and, and I have to work extremely hard in order to be able to, to raise funds for facilities, for travel, for recruiting, mm-hmm. all those kind of things. So no particular order, those three things are constantly thought about. Um, I mean, even last night after the game, you know, our president was there, and we had some boosters that, that haven't been back in a long time. They, you know, they're Dallas people, and soon as the game's over with I'm you know I'm having to go shake hands with them and, and and just trying to think about the fundraising side of it because that's the lifeline as well recruiting sure. and, and you know money is really the lifeline of the program well knocking off nationally ranked teams back to back has to help right I, I hope so um you know it's been a fun day to talk to some of the recruits we got a lot of uh nice positive text messages back from some kids on the on the bus ride home and but, you know, people are seeing what we're doing, but, um, you know, it's not just about those, those you know, wins like that. It's, it's sustaining success. It's, it's called a baseball program for a reason. It's not a baseball team. And programs are the ones that can sustain things through the ups and downs, and you can still find ways to navigate the season. And, um, again, that's something that I'm looking forward to doing. And, and hopefully as we start conference play this week, um, we can become a fixture in the Sun Belt, which is a you know a very challenging and difficult league in itself. No question. Well, Coach, I want you to know that your nine years here are greatly appreciated by all of us. We miss you a lot around here, Coach. That's that's just the truth. But we we couldn't be happier for your success there, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. I wanted to I wanted to share the success with our uh, Eagle Hour listeners around Mississippi, and just let them know what a great job you're doing there at Monroe. Well, I appreciate it. I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if it wouldn't have been for getting my degree back with Coach Denson and working with Coach Palmer. And then, of course, uh, you know, those those eight years with uh, with Coach Barry and, and Coach Kaye were, were amazing and fun times, and it, it allowed me to, you know, get this job here. Well, thanks, Coach, and best of luck to you the rest of the year. Great job out there. Thanks. I appreciate it. Great to talk to you. All right. Coach Mike Federico, everybody, the new head coach. You know, well, it's fourth year now at Louisiana Monroe and doing a fantastic job. They beat Oklahoma State last night, coming off a big win over Ole Miss. Uh, things looking up at Louisiana Monroe. We'll be back. So 
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. A stormy afternoon here in Hattiesburg. Lightning crashing outside the window here, sparkling in the earphones. Uh, always makes for <laughs> for quite an adventure when you're on the radio in the midst of a thunderstorm. I want to thank uh, Mike Federico for joining us in the opening segment. Great win by his program last night over Oklahoma State. Of course, a longtime member of the Southern Miss staff. Always enjoy visiting with him. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. What a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel. You can find it there six days a week on Hardy Street. You can shop online at campusbookmark.net. All right, it's Wednesday. We go down to the coast. The professor, our good buddy Patrick McGee, joins us. Uh, Patrick, uh, Glad to have you back. Uh, as always, Louisiana Tech beats Ole Miss last night, thirteen to one. Louisiana Monroe beats Oklahoma State thirteen to six, coming off an eight to three win over Ole Miss. Uh, are we see Are we seeing parity uh, like we've never seen before, Professor? Yeah, and I, I think that's kind of what we expected coming into the season with so many guys. Uh, back on the field that weren't expected uh, uh, to be back just terms of eligibility and uh, or either they would have been expected to go in the draft a normal year you know an MLB draft was only five rounds uh, last season that's 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 a major cutback so a lot of guys that are going to be that would be playing professional baseball right now are uh, still playing college baseball so that kind of you see more depth across the board and more quality players at each position uh, and, and we all knew Southern Miss was going to be in a good spot this year, especially on the pitching side, and that's shown up pretty well. I think it's only going to get better as a staff as the season goes along. Uh, but, you know, if you can't, you know, you, you got to go up there and battle every day at the plate because you know you're going to be facing a good pitcher, and uh, that's what Southern Miss has kind of seen up to this point. So, right. yeah, it, it's just a really unusual year for college baseball, and I think we'll see more parity in this game in college level for a while because I think the MLB draft is, is gradually going to shrink a little bit and you'll see fewer opportunities in pro baseball. I'm always amazed at college baseball, how important the pitcher is. The kid last night had pitched earlier in the year against Southern Miss, really shut him down, pitched nine innings against Alabama last week and pretty much shut down uh, shut them down. Man, I tell you what, in college baseball, you get the right pitcher on the mound that night and uh, – Anybody can beat anybody. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, and probably, you know, in most seasons, Southern Miss has probably gotten enough out of their midweek pitching to win games, but they just haven't hit enough. Right. Uh, because they're facing, you know, good pitching, and it, it is a, still a young Southern Miss lineup. It's probably younger than most teams it really faces throughout the course of the season uh, just because of the unusual nature of this, uh, the, the way this campaign's built. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the the pitching is, is a high level. And, and in college baseball, really good pitching always beats really good hitting. Right. And uh, if a pitcher's on, uh, like the South Alabama guy was last night, it's going to be really tough to beat him. Right. Patrick, I'm a guy that looks at the glass half full. Nine and six uh, are the Golden Eagles. They have, they have uh, boy, that was a big lightning strike there, so forgive <laughs> me for that. Uh, they have... Uh, they have one more weekend series before they get into conference play. When I look at the level of competitiveness, uh, level of competition, I should say they've played. Uh, I, you know, I, I I don't get alarmed at nine and six. I, I think things are kind of where we thought they might be right now. Yeah, I mean, you just like to play a little bit better, hit a little bit better in the midweek situations. That just has happened on on the weekends. They're getting good pitching and and, and some timely hitting and enough hitting. 
uh, to win these series and to sweep Louisiana Lafayette is, is, a, is a major accomplishment. Uh, so, I mean, Southern Miss does have a decent postseason resume right now. Uh, there's a couple of lo- a couple of losses on the schedule that you'd really like to kind of wipe out for Southern Miss, uh, but yeah, it's it's still there to be had. Uh, what makes it, we all talked about how tough the schedule looked for the season, and, and Southern Miss has got to play Louisiana Tech twice in conference play, right? Uh, so that makes it it's, it's exceptionally tough. Uh, right. There's really no weekend off at Missouri State's quality program coming in. Uh, it, this is looking more and more like a weekend that Southern Miss probably needs to aim for a sweep. Uh, just to kind of make up for another loss on the schedule, uh, but yeah, it's 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 going to get tough from here on out. Patrick, I, I just I've got to where I just don't have any faith in the polls anymore, and, and I don't want to single any one team. I don't, I'm not picking on Ole Miss. I I fully recognize what a quality baseball program they have, but how can, is Ole Miss really a, a team like Ole Miss ranked fourth in the country? They get beat by twelve runs by Louisiana Tech. They're lucky to get out of their own park this past weekend with a you know with a, a series win over Louisiana Monroe. What do these polls really mean? Uh, well, they don't mean much, and baseball is weird in that way. A team that could be just dominant for like almost a month can stub their toe for a couple of weeks. That's just the nature of, of baseball, and uh, uh, the polls really mean nothing in college baseball until you get like the final month of the season. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everybody really follows the RPI more than anything else. And last I saw, Southern Miss was in the neighborhood of like in the 60s or 70s. Uh, that's something you can easily improve on in a short period of time. Uh, so, I, you know, it's really all about RPI and college baseball and the national rankings. They're so different from pole to pole, and uh, they really are meaningless. Uh, you, you don't really look until the end of the season where you're figuring out who maybe your top seeds are uh, across the nation. And I know Southern Miss gets, uh, I think, a good bit of respect in baseball nationally. But, you know, once again in basketball, Patrick, you know, the, the, the tournament winner gets in. That's it. What does the league have to do to get more respect with the NCAA in the sport of basketball? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, North Texas goes in as a 13 seed, which isn't, you know, it's better than the 16 seed, I guess. I mean, I thought West, West Kentucky beat Alabama. Uh this year, and I don't, I, you know, I know they suffered some losses in conference play. Uh, they got beat at Houston, which is a number two seed. I, I, I thought really Western Kentucky got screwed. Uh, I thought they should have been in. They kind of did what you know a lot of uh, uh, NCAA people, you know, a lot of critics have hit them hit conference USA teams for in the past. I mean, you go to you go to Alabama and you win. Uh, the the best team in SEC and and you still get left out and you've right. had a good season maybe you would have liked to have one or two more you know there's maybe one or two games on the schedule you count as bad losses but I, I, to leave West Kentucky out Kentucky out that's that's just an example of, of uh, you know Conference USA just doesn't have the level of respect it deserves in basketball I think it's a decent basketball conference right. usually the top five six teams are good uh, but you know. It's just Conference USA got tagged a few years ago as an uh, you know irrelevant basketball conference, and that's that's really tough to lose. Isn't this the the thing though that the leadership of the conference has to step up and do a better job in in representing its its league with the NCAA? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things the conference could do. Uh, I you know I I think they should do a better job of trying to angle for scheduling opportunities. Um, 
you know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not somebody that points to the commissioner and say it's all her fault or the league doesn't do this, the league doesn't do that. I think it's a matter of exposure. Uh, when you're playing your championship game on CBS Sports Network, there's just not as many people that's going to be watching, and that's where your main games are. So uh, I, I think a long time ago, whenever the Conference USA walked away from ESPN and went to Fox, and since then it's kind of bounced around with CBS Sports Network, it, the league just doesn't have the anywhere near the exposure it had. Uh, so I, I think looking back, the, the decision to, to move to Fox – uh, Fox Sports, and then that just not really paying out in the long run, I think, was a mistake. Right. A couple of minutes left, uh, Patrick. I, I'd just like to get your thoughts as as we're getting near the end here of spring football. Anything that uh, that you've seen that jumps out at you? What, what, do you? what do you think you've learned about this new regime so far? Well, I, I think in terms of a response to the players, to the to the staff, I think it's been positive. I, I think they really like a well-organized uh, uh, a well put together program that has you know upbeat approach every day on the field. I think that's kind of been beat. You know everybody's been kind of beating the drum on that, and I think it's true. Uh, you know it's it's. I think they're you know what, what I've learned is the team is going to be a little bit shallow in certain spots. Uh, you know th- there's things still to be determined at quarterback, but Trey Lowe's probably your guy. I, it would be really surprising if he's not your game one t- uh, uh, starter. Uh, but there's you know offensive line, running back. Uh, defensive line there's just you know in the secondary you just like to plug in one or two extra guys they're going to be a little bit shallow on numbers just based on everything that's happened last year or two at southern miss with with how many juco guys they brought in and just everything else that went along with guys leaving uh it's uh, there's the potential to compete this year but it's going to be interesting to see what hall and company do over the summer to maybe add a couple of guys a couple of transfers that can help them out on the defensive line or possibly a running back so Leaving the spring, there's going to be you know questions answered going in the fall, but I, I think there's a foundation being laid uh, this spring, and, and that's probably the most important part. Uh, you know, whether what the wins and losses look like will probably be determined uh, in the fall. You know, going into fall practice. Sounds like patience is the word uh, fans might want to employ this fall. Is that fair? Yeah, it, yeah. It's not like I'm saying that you know it's going to be a debacle or, or things are just going to fall apart. You know, fall apart potentially this 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 season and they just won't have a good year that's not what i'm saying it's just there's a lot of little pieces that have to be figured out uh, before they take the field and and depth is going to be super important much like we're seeing in college baseball this year there's going to be guys back uh, that we weren't expecting to have back and i think other teams are going to have more examples of that than possibly southern miss even though they do have some guys back they didn't expect to say you know six months ago but it's just you know a lot of things going to have to be figured out and 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 they've got to stay healthy team Best sports writer in Mississippi, Patrick McGee. Professor, we appreciate your contribution to the show every week, my friend. All right. Thanks, Bob. All right. Patrick McGee, everybody, down on the coast at the Biloxi Sun-Herald. Check him out. He covers Southern Miss sports like nobody else. We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. I want to thank the Professor Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun Herald for joining us uh, in the second segment. Also, uh, baseball coach Mike Federico. Appreciate uh, both of those guys on the Eagle Hour today. This segment sponsored by Four Street Bar and Grill. It is Kelly Sander and I's favorite place to have lunch. Eight ninety five, and uh, you know Kelly and I could eat. 
And when we leave a lunch from Fourth Street Bar and Grill, Kelly, we're pretty full. Well, when they see me coming, Bob, the, they they turn the sign around to close. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's the only man I know that is that is barred from uh, all the uh, just about all the buffets here in town. <laughs> yeah, well, very few of them have reopened, you know, since COVID. But the ones right. that have, yeah, they see me right. come, quick, quick, we're closed. Well, and that experience you had at the Chinese buffet, I'll just, I'll, I'll never, I'll never get over that, Kelly. <laughs> You guys, I'm going, 11.30 in the morning, you're closed? <laughs> well, what's up with that? Yeah, yeah and and, uh, and and Squawk and the guys want to know, too, when you're going to come and shoot pool with us at 4th Street. I'm ready to come back. I am fully immunized, my friend. I am three yeah. weeks out from being fully immunized. I'm, I'm starting to live again. And I tell you, that's something me and you need to do. We need to do that one day next week. We need to go have lunch down at the 4th Street. Are you on for that, Kelly? Yeah, and I'm fully vaccinated, too. Um you know, Squawk and Cooter are not, but the way they drink, I don't think they really need to be immunized. <laughs> well, they actually, they are immunized. Just, yeah, just, yeah, just, just uh, the, the virus is just so drunk it can't affect them. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying, yeah. So, All right, uh, Kelly. Uh, you know, Louisiana Tech beats Ole Miss last night 13-1. to 1. Like a drum. The uh, Louisiana yeah. Monroe beats Oklahoma State uh, last night uh, handedly 13-6. to 6. I'm going to ask you a question that I asked Patrick McGee. And I, and look, I have all the respect in the world for Ole Miss's baseball program. I'm just using them as an example because they're ranked fourth in the country. When you rank fourth in the country and you get beat at Louisiana Tech thirteen to one, it just makes me question the validity of the polls. How how accurate do the polls reflect the parity that's in college baseball? Well, you know how I feel. There's only one poll that I truly. And I, I've studied a little bit about the polls. The only one that I think is truly accurate that takes in, that takes out the heart and takes in the numbers and, and, the, and takes out the emotion and takes in the probabilities, and that's the Masseys. And when you, and when you look at the Massey ratings, Ole Miss isn't ranked near that high. In mm-hmm. fact, Mississippi State is ranked higher mm-hmm. you know, than Ole Miss. So, you know, if you take that into account, now that now... Ole Miss is not a slouch team, no, by no. any by any stretch of the imagination. But I, but I'm just saying, um, you know, anytime you you know that those three letters SEC is in front of there, you're automatically three points ahead. In any anytime there's a motion or when people are making the decisions, right? You know that's the case. But um, but as long as people are going to be making the decisions as to who plays in postseason, as far as at large berths are concerned in the baseball regionals you're going to have to deal with the same thing. And what's problematic about the Eagles right now, and, and it's, it's, it's only a minor problem, but it is something that needs to be addressed, and we've talked about it before, is these uninspiring midweek games that mm-hmm. they've played. Right. Okay, you mentioned the big win that, that La Tech you know, had last night, and, and Louisiana Monroe's playing well in, in the Sun Belt. Georgia Southern is playing well. And the Sun Belt winning some some midweek games. So if you don't win the conference tournament, which you know the Eagles have have done and are certainly capable of doing, but let's let's just hypothetically say they don't. All right, what are you gonna What are you gonna sell to the committee as far as your resume goes uh, about your your wins? Now, now the wins against Louisiana last weekend certainly helped, but those were at home. Okay. Um, and you had your studs going against you know their studs, but I'm just saying, 
you've had a couple of cracks at, at South Al and haven't haven't been able to handle them. You know, you got beat by a by a quality Mississippi State team, but other teams are getting to play the South South Owls and the Ole Misses and the, and Mississippi States and winning some of those games. Right. So, right. well, here you know, here's the thing. The the Golden Eagles are are, are nine and six uh, with one weekend series left to play. Uh, non conference, non conference, right? Yeah, one, right, right. Missouri so so they've won weekend. every weekend series they've right. played. Uh, but some of those games now, let's let's keep in mind. I mean, they explode from time to time, and sometimes really hit the ball well. But like right. this weekend, you know, pitching won two of those games this weekend. In all honesty. Uh, I, and and that, those are your best guys pitching. They're not playing yeah. well enough during the week to not hit the ball the, and, and survive with their midweek pitching. And, uh, you know, I was thinking last night, I, I, you can go back a couple of three years and, and Southern Miss has overall not performed terribly well in midweek games, but but it's been a great team on the weekends. How do you put your finger on that, Kelly? I, I keep expecting the, the hitting numbers to start coming up, you know, and I've said that before on this show, that as the season goes on, those hitting numbers would start coming up. As the temperatures start to warm up, I expected the hitting numbers, the batting average, to start coming up as well. But I'm not, I'm not seeing any, any major evidence of that so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm starting, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned about the overall offensive output because other teams' numbers are starting to come up, but the, but the Eagles aren't. And what that would, if that trend continues, what that would do is put additional pressure on your pitching staff. And when you put additional pressure on the pitching staff, then they're not allowed to go out there and be relaxed and as calm as they normally would, and then they might tend to force things. And when you force things, anything in life, you know, you're, you're under pressure and you're just not going to perform as well as you would in an optimal situation where your guys are putting some runs up on the board for you. Right. Um, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, one won the game last weekend against the Cajuns. They won one to nothing, you know. And and the game on Sunday, they had to go extra innings. Right. Um, so the pitching, the pitching has been what the Eagles have been hanging their hats on. These bats have got to come around, or it could be right. really troublesome. And we talked about the Masseys a little while ago, and and you and I and Luke have all said, well, the Masseys have got it wrong. You know, they've got Southern Miss fifth or sixth in the conference. Um. You know, maybe they're not the fifth or sixth. Maybe maybe they're a little bit higher in the conference, but you certainly can't argue. You know, we we said Louisiana Tech can't be that much better. Well, they've had Louisiana Tech number one in the conference all year, and so far they've been right. I mean, you can't argue that Louisiana Tech, with some of the wins they've had, um, you know, you can make a good argument for Louisiana Tech. So, how far off are the Masseys? Yeah. And if they are right, I mean, they've got the Eagles that's the fifth best team in the conference. I mean, they're going to have a chance to prove it. Right. Coming up. I hope they are wrong. Right. right. But, uh, we'll have uh, coach, uh, pitching coach Ostrander on the show tomorrow. Also, we're going to have the uh, the head coach from Missouri State who's bringing his squad in here this weekend. He's won over 1,200 college baseball games, Kelly. 1,200. Yeah, and, they've, and they've got a winning record coming in here at 6-5 and five this weekend, and that's a team, you know, that, that they're kind of uh, – that's a, a, a weather school that – you know they they don't have optimal, you know, playing conditions, but yet have a winning record. So you know they're going to be right. they're not going to be a pushover no. coming in here this weekend. Well, kudos to Louisiana Tech. That's a huge win last night. They schooled Ole Miss thirteen to one. Beating yeah, them is know, one thing. Beating them thirteen to one is something completely and, and different. 
you look at the Scott Berry coaching tree too, Bob. You know, because uh, you got you you've talked to Mike Federico, who has done a great job <clears throat> at Louisiana Monroe. That that school was on the brink of extinction, right? Really, athletically in baseball, and look at what he's done there. Tremendous job, right? And, and he's been from the Scott Berry tree, and you've got Kaye over there at, at Texas A and M. You've got Oz now, who's who's you know on staff, and um, at at Louisiana Tech, you've got Lane Burroughs. Um, and so all of these guys, you know, all from the Scott Berry coaching tree, and you have to wonder when Scott Berry retires. And, and Scott Berry will be there as long as he wants to be there. Right. Right? And he has his years in, I'm saying, with the state retirement system, so he could really go anytime he wants. But I'm just saying, if and when he retires, I'm not sure there is an heir apparent because just, just those names I mentioned, would all be very, very strong. No question. No question. You know, to take over that program if they wanted to. Right. And, and boy, I mean, hats off to Coach Federica for the job he's done at Louisiana Monroe, Kelly. Because I'm sure, I'm sure when, when before those guys take those jobs, you know, they get on the phones with their friends and they say, hey, dude, I got this, uh, I got the offer from Louisiana Monroe. And they're going, where? Right. Well, now they now they know. <laughs> they, they they do now, but they're probably going, uh, dude. I know you wanted to be a head coach, but yeah. Louisiana Monroe. Are yeah. you sure? Well, now now yeah. people are beginning to pay a little more attention. Obviously. Oh to, yeah. All right. So Kelly, uh, we've got about thirty seconds left. I'm not going to ask you to comment on that, but we'll take it up in the last segment. It's official now. Jay Hobson. This this hard to get this out of my mouth. Jay Hobson is a Mississippi State Bulldog. Are you surprised by that? No, no, I'm not. I mean, he knows the state of Mississippi, um, and he was he was needed work, and he's going to be a defensive analyst for for um, the Mad Hatter up there, you know. So um, I think it's probably you know a, a good fit for him, and uh, he he will strengthen that program just because of his knowledge. Of, and he's recruited the state of Mississippi for a long time. On the other side of the break, Bob, we'll talk about some NFL players who are going to be wearing different uniforms next year, including some that are going to be headed to Washington to play for your Washington football team. Fitz Magic has come to the nation's capital, my man. Well, he better be able <laughs> to have some magic. We'll be back. This segment of the Eagle Hour is sponsored by D1 and uh, D-Bat. Fantastic training facilities uh, right there on Hardy Street uh, in Hattiesburg. Uh, State-of-the-art stuff for kids uh, into softball and baseball, for adults into any sport. Uh, Kevin Weldon uh, is the manager of uh, D1 Training. We hope we'll have him on the show here in the next week or so. Uh, to talk about some of the training uh, specialties that they have there. But uh, very fortunate to have uh, such a quality facility in Hattiesburg. D1, D-Bat, uh, they're located on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Kelly Sander joins me. I'm, with the, I'm in the First Bank studio here in Hattiesburg. And uh, 
lightning crashing everywhere, buzzing in the headsets makes for a real adventure uh, when you're on the radio. You know it's not you know it's not what's happening, Kelly. But every time there's lightning, a second later you'll hear a really bright buzz in the headphones, and you'll think, "Have I just been electrocuted?" And uh, then when you realize you haven't, uh, you wait for the next bolt. But the uh, burst. All right, so so Kelly, Fitz Magic coming to the nation's capital. What do you think about Fitzpatrick, uh, the guy that never seems to age? Only thing that gets longer with him is his beard. Right. Uh, quarterbacking uh, the team formerly known as the Redskins. Well, you, you got a road scholar there. Yeah, smart guy. You, you really do. Yeah, really, really smart guy, and seems to be successful. Wherever he goes, um, you know there was some talk that uh, Cam Cam was going to Cam Newton right. was going to wind up in Washington, but um, he resigned with the Patriots, which I I just didn't see that happening. But right. but he's back there. Um, so you know, do the Redskins now draft another quarterback? The last one they they drafted turned out to be a you know a trash a disaster. Can. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. That that didn't work out so well for him. Meanwhile, it's reported today that uh, longtime uh, All-Pro and Bengals receiver A.J. Green is headed to the desert to sign a uh, contract with the Phoenix Cardinals, or the Arizona Cardinals. So he will uh, head out there to the shootout uh, offense of Cliff Kingsbury out there um, with Arizona. And uh, Carl Lawson, the outstanding pass rusher of the Bengals, he has signed with the New York Jets. Um, I don't know why anybody that, – that just shows you how bad things are in Cincinnati when you think the Jets are an upgrade. <laughs> you know? so, that says it all, doesn't it, Kelly? Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> Former Bengals quarterback and Cowboys backup Andy Dalton has signed with the Chicago Bears a free agent contract. Dalton said he wanted to be in a situation where he could compete for the starting position, and the Bears don't have a situation where they have a solid quarterback, so he will be able to compete. For that uh, for that starting position uh, in Cincinnati, so the free agent the free agent wheels continue to uh, to turn, and there will continue to be some free agent signings in the next couple of days as teams uh, fill up their their um, salary cap. You know, signings get re- ready for the upcoming season, the draft coming up next month, and we'll see you know where teams decide to go to right. to strengthen. There. Would you would you do you expect to see the Saints try to grab a free agent quarterback? You think they're pretty much set with the guys? That no, I, I you know they resigned Jameis Winston, which what surprises me, Bob, is that Jameis Winston apparently is okay with being a backup. Yeah, uh, I, I really thought that he was the kind of guy that that wanted to, you know, wanted to be a starter somewhere, um, but apparently. You know, and that's and I, and I'm, that's okay. I'm not I'm not criticizing him. I'm saying I I just thought he. Would want to be a starter somewhere, but I guess he's uh, I guess he's content because Taysom Hill is going to be the starter in in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't extend a guy four years and give him one hundred and sixty million dollars if he's not going to be mm-hmm. you know your starting quarterback. But but I think uh, why Winston re-signed with the Saints is because the style of play that Taysom Hill plays, you know, he runs a lot, and I just I think that Winston thinks this is a guy that, that potentially can get banged up pretty easily, Taysom Hill. So. Uh, you know, as a backup quarterback, you're probably going to get to play a lot more than usual just because of Taysom Hill's style that he plays. Right. So a lot um, of people so. feel that that maybe you're going to see a decline in New Orleans now uh, with the retirement of Breeze and some of their salary cap issues. Do you think the Saints are fixed to take a dip, or do you still do see them as competitive? 
No, I don't. And again, point to last season when Drew Brees got hurt and they used that uh, that tandem of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. They were just right. fine. Right. Um, uh, and, and Drew Brees was to the point where realistically, and I'm not trying to be sacrilegious, but he really couldn't throw with any accuracy more than about 15 yards downfield. And it didn't take at that level very long for other teams to figure that out. Right. And and eventually that's what cost the Saints you know, a, a trip further into the playoffs where, where teams figured that out and knew that they really didn't have to cover the Saints very deep. Um, so, um, you know, and as you get older, you get a little bit wiser as a quarterback, and you're not going to take those hits, and so he would throw it a little bit too soon and just wasn't as accurate, you know, as he was earlier, uh, in, it, earlier in his career. So, no, I think the Saints are going to be, I think the Saints are going to be just fine uh, going forward. But it, um, I just always love the draft. It's always intriguing and right. build up to the draft to right. see how teams uh, – they, they, they catch the on to weakness pretty quick in the National Football League, don't they, Kelly? At that, they're the very, very best at what they do. Right, uh, And right. That's, that's why they get paid for it. Right, so. and they have no mercy on your weakness. No, and, and of course, uh, Southern Miss, former Southern Miss tight end Julian Allen continues his run on Temptation Island. Bob, you gotta be you got to be following this now. <laughs> On Tuesday nights on the USA on the USA Network, you got to be following Julian. Well, you are now you are our official Temptation Island correspondent, Sam. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll keep you up to date on how Julian's doing. All right, Kelly and I'll both be back tomorrow at one o'clock. We hope you will too. And until then, Southern Miss to the top. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.